Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. Today, we're going to hear from our ministry school principal, Jonathan Lewis. We really hope you enjoy today's message. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we are here today gathered in your presence as one church united, one vision to see your kingdom come on earth, God. And I pray today, Lord God, as we gather in your presence, Lord God, that you will download something from your spirit to ours, Lord God. Lord, let this be a place where your will is done and not ours. In your mind, let me pray. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. Are you in one kings today? Yes. It wasn't very convincing. Are you in one kings today? Who actually brought the Bible to church today? Don't actually, don't raise your hands. It might not be a good time to do it, people. You can raise your hands maybe next week when you bring your Bible to church. That'd be good too. But uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, it's going to come up on the screen as well. It'll be absolutely incredible. I'm reading from the NLT, and it says this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way that he killed all the prophets of Baal. What a good scripture to start off with, eh? That's really good. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid, as most people would be, and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba in a town in Judea, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree in the wilderness. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, sorry, under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, "Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestor who has already died." Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, "Get up and eat." He looked around, and there beside his head was some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. Sleep, eat, drink, the good system, people. Then the angel of the Lord came again, touched him, and said, Get up and eat some more, for the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, and he ate, and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to the cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. And I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. Go out and stand before the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed him by, and the mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you and torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way that you came. And travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint King Hazel to be king of Aram. 
and I've lost the last part of my admissions there. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nisham. Thank you, AV team. Very helpful to be king of Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from the town of Abel, or that's a hard word to say, to replace you as my prophet. And that was the last part that I didn't put in my notes. Very good. Come with me to a few more books uh, further on to uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 51. We're going to read from verse 7 to 17. It says this, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins and remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Then I will teach your ways to the rebels and, I will, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I'd offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit, for you want to reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Just as a side note, there was anyone else just quoting parts of this scripture when the All Blacks lost the World Cup? <laughs> no one else? Renew me a new spirit, O oh God. Return to me the joy of my salvation, because I feel like World Rugby just took it away from me in this moment. No one else? I'm just asking for a friend, Logan asked. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> Just me, that's very good. I was actually very proud of myself, by the way. I stayed at home because I, I become a different person when I watch sports, and I thought I shouldn't become that person in church. So I watched it at home, and I was very proud of myself that I actually didn't cry at the end of the game. But instead, I said to my children, get ready, we're going to church. And as we're walking out the door, I was like, Lord, you better re- re- renew some joy in my life right now because it is not a good day so far. But you know what? We came to church, we met God, and it was a good time in God's house. But today is graduation Sunday. I answer the question for you, Logan. I hope you're happy about that. Today is Graduation Sunday, and across the country today, we're going to have amazing students coming out, and uh, they're going to be taking over certain services in our incredible uh, time here today, and in our 5pm service in Wellington, I encourage you to do come out, because our day students will be taking over the entire service. They're going to be preaching, emceeing, doing the Salvation Order Court, and the offering message as we graduate them tonight. So do come out and celebrate with them, but you're going to witness some of the greatest up-and-coming ministers in our church tonight. But we also give them a topic to preach about. And the topic is, what is one thing that God has spoken to you about or He's revealed to you about this year or your time during ministry school that you could share with the congregation? And since there wasn't a theme for today, I thought that I might as well follow what they've done and talk about something that God has done in my life this year that I can share with the congregation. It's something that God has been really pressing on my heart this whole entire year. So we're about to go deep into Joan Lewis's private life, his personal life with God right now. So buckle up. You might need some tissues and all that kind of stuff going on, but it's going to be amazing. Uh, But God has been talking about this topic, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Not as in your location, like what are you doing here on stage right now, Johnny? Although I do ask that question sometimes, why do they give me a microphone? I'm not quite sure. But I'm talking about what are you doing in your spiritual walk with God? What am I doing as a minister in God's house right now? What am I doing here? What am I doing in my life group and in church when I'm here? What am I doing here right now? And what is my purpose in it? Big question, right? But it's a question I feel like we all need to ask. Put your hand up today if you ever had a bad day in your life. 
All right, so we've got some people not telling the truth today. Very good, very good, very good. Salvation article will be very good today. That's cool. You know, I had a bad week before. Bad month. Everyone's getting a bit more honest in their life. Very good. Bad year. I feel like we can, honesty is getting higher and higher as we go longer and longer. It's very good. I don't know if anyone's had such a day as Elijah, though, in this story. For clarity's sake, Elijah has just come off the greatest high of his life. You read in the chapter before, Elijah has literally just laid out a challenge to King Ahab and his prophets of Baal to see who the one true God is. Israel has turned away from God and they're serving this other God called Baal. And Elijah is furious. He's mad. He's like, come up to Mount Carmel. We're going to build two altars, one to your God and one to our and to one true God, Yahweh. And whoever's God can bring down fire from heaven, consume the altar, we would know that they are the one true God. And they're like, yep, challenge accepted. Let's do this. And the Bible is amazing in the way that describes how the challenge lays down. The insults that Elijah puts out to the prophets of Baal are just pure gold. And as he goes through this challenge, we read that nothing happens to the prophets of Baal and their God. But when Elijah calls down fire from heaven, God responds and consumes the, not just the sacrifice, but the altar and the moat of water that was covered around it as well, proving that God is the one true God. It was an amazing time. And as all of Israel is there gathered, seeing what's happened, they go and seize all the prophets of Baal, take them down to the valley, and they kill them off. Then it gets even better. There hasn't been rain in the land for many, many years. So Elijah goes and runs up to the mountain, starts praying that rain would come. We know that story where he sends his servant back and forth, back and forth to see if the rain is coming. And the servant comes back saying, hey, I can see a rain cloud, the size of a man's fist in the distance. And he's excited, like, oh, the rain's coming. Go and tell the king right now to get into your chariot and to ride back to the city because you're not going to make it back in time. You're going to get stuck in this rain. And so the king drives off down this chariot, down the mountain. And as he's going, Elisha realizes at the same time, oh, I should probably go too. I don't want to get too wet. And so the Bible says he tucks his belt, and he cuts his cloak into his belt, and he starts running down the mountain. And as he does so, the Bible says that he runs past the chariot with super speed that the Lord has given to him. This guy is living the dream. He is living the dream. But all of a sudden, in one moment, when the queen realized what's going on and sends a message to Elisha, he decides that all things are turned to custard after the high that he's been on and everything's going down to the lowest of levels. And we find Elisha. We find Elijah, sorry, I say not Elisha, at the lowest moment of his life. And God asks him this question What are you doing here, Elijah? What happened from that moment when you were in the highest of the highs of the mountains? And now you're the lowest of the lows in the valleys. What are you doing here, Elijah? Does anyone here remember the moment where you gave your life to God? Your moment of salvation. Or maybe it was a moment to where you uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit at a camp moment or in a conference moment. Oh, I, can feel, I can remember these moments in my life so clearly. At a Kids Reach camp, when I was an intermediate kid in the Redwood Room at Al Rancho, if you go to summer camp, you know the room I'm talking about. It's a bit dingy and a bit smelly, but it was a room that was filled with God's presence at that moment. I remember this moment when I first gave my life to God. I felt His presence, I felt His love. I felt something brewing on the inside of me. I remember the time at conference in 2011, the MFC, 
see. We just packed down the youth events that we were late for, um, for the last service. I believe with Nehana, Adam, James, Sean, Co, James Cavilla, we were always late. Uh, always, always late, sorry. We were late to that session. We were not always late, but we were late to that session. And Russell Evans was preaching. We're at the very side of this uh, stage. And I remember for the first time feeling the rushing wind of God's presence fill my heart, blew me back into my seat. Oh, I remember moments like that so clearly where God sparked something in the side of me. And I knew I had a purpose and a reason for why I was here. Do you remember those moments in your life? Yet also, do you know that life also happens at the same time? And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for five minutes, for five years or 50 years. Everyone can fall into the trap of losing the joy of your salvation, can't you? King David wrote this psalm that we were just talking about before in Psalm 51. It was about a story in his life, and we know quite well, where he didn't go to war in a time where kings went to war. In 2 Samuel 11, it says this, In the spring at the time where kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites, which was a good thing, and they besieged the city of Rab. But David remained in Jerusalem. At a time where kings, David's the king, goes to war, he stayed home. Something was wrong with David in that moment. It was at this point in the scriptures uh, afterwards, we realized that David goes on his journey, sees Bathsheba in the pool, goes on to commit adultery, murder, and lies to the prophet of God. It all went downhill from there. And look, no one's a perfect Christian, we know that. But the truth is that we're all gonna go for seasons of our life as Christians where we are supposed to go to war, if we're gonna use that analogy, but instead we decide to stay home. It's like, man, I did last season. Someone else can do this season today. And the, reason, the truth is that we can, and let me just be really clear, we're not actually going to war right now, but we are going to war in the spirit. As believers, we've got a spiritual fight that we fight every single day. And maybe the seasons that we've thought before have been hard seasons. And we've got reasons why we don't want to go to war in these seasons. Maybe we're too tired from the last fight. Maybe we're hurt from the last battle. Maybe it's because of a situation that happened that we're now confused and annoyed about. Maybe things didn't go the way they planned. Maybe the place where we felt most safe in the battle was the place that we got hurt the most. And the fact is we can have reasons for days of why we should stay at home when we should really be going to war. And often the reason why we don't go to war is because we've actually lost our reason and our joy. And we don't know why we are here in the first place. Like David. He had lost his reason and his joy for why he should be going to war in the first place. And the truth is that you and I are humans. We are. We've got free choice that God has given to us. We've got feelings and emotions. However, when we step out of our battles and we lose our purpose and our joy of it, it can often be the most dangerous place for a believer to be. That is the moment when we start to doubt the call of God that he has in our life and the reason why we are here in the first place. And if I'm completely honest with you, I told you this is a personal journey for myself. God hit me hard with this scripture and this story this year, asking this question of me. What are you doing here, Johnny? And why aren't you going to war right now? This question was an honest moment for me and God. And there was a lot of stuff I had to lay down at the cross. And if I'm being completely honest with you, it's still a journey for me that I'm going through as I continue to lay things down at the cross to Jesus. And as I said before, this is a journey for me. But man, I'm glad that I'm on this journey. 
Because I'm on a journey, but I'm getting better every day. I can feel His presence more every day. I get excited every time I come to church on a Sunday because I know I've got vision and expectation for what God can do in a moment in my life. I'm on a journey, but something's happening on the inside of me. I'm starting to feel undignified about worshiping and praising my God again. I'm starting to get the joy back in my life, fresh vision and a fresh voice of what's going on. And then I've learned that it's going to be hard times along the journey. But the biggest thing I've learned this year is that I never want to lose my joy ever again. I never want to lose my reason ever again. But here's the question for all of us today. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Not your salvation as you being saved in God's kingdom, but have you lost the joy that comes with it? The joy that partners with faith for you to believe that nothing is impossible with God. The joy that partners with vision and hope to help you see beyond the circumstances that you're in right now. Have you lost the joy that God has given to you? And maybe you need to ask that question of yourself right now. Because I believe, as we've been talking as a staff team and with a few people around, and I've talked with my sister about this a lot later as well, I believe there's a spirit of apathy coming across the church, the wider church body across the world right now. There's a withdrawing of the joy of the Lord in our church right now across the world. So you can be in church every single week. You can be in life every single week, but you can be missing the joy of your salvation. Being in church is great, but being in church without the joy just makes you a seat warmer. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Why do I come to the house of God without joy? Why do I come to the house of God without vision and faith? Hope to see what God can do. What happened to us on our journey that we found ourselves now in the wilderness depleted and lost. You see, we all know our God still. It's not like we've lost our vision of who God is. We still know our God. But we've lost our joy and our reason. Just like Elijah and David, they knew who God was still. But you lost the reason why you're here. And today I was going to ask you, why are you here? I honestly wonder if your joy and your faith and your vision and your hope would match the statement in which you answered that question. Um, I'm here to worship God. Great answer. Doesn't really sound like the joy and the faith are matching the statement that you're asking, that you're answering. What are you doing here? You see, in a moment in my journey uh, this year, I felt like things just weren't going right at all. Things were actually going quite in the opposite direction of where I thought things were going to go this year. And it wasn't very fun. I felt like I stripped away all the joy from my life and it was pulling me away from what God had given into my hands in this moment. And we can all be in this place as Christians. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It just means that we're on a journey, right? But God rested in my heart. In a pre-meeting about two, two and a half months ago, here in the offices, we have a Wednesday pre-meeting every week at nine o'clock. And God rested in my heart in a pre-meeting. And he asked me this question, what are you doing here? You see, my mouth was open in this prayer meeting, but my prayers weren't effective. There was a sound, but there was no faith attached to what I was doing. There was a lot of chicken off the time of the watch because I had a meeting afterwards, and that is always a bad sign to me that I want to be in a different place rather than in God's presence in that moment. I found that I couldn't leave that room afterwards. God had literally just kept me in that room for 30 minutes. I just wrote down what God was downloading to me, downloading to me, downloading to me. And it was a challenge to me. He was asking me, what are you doing here? And I'm going to read to you what I feel like God said to me. And just for clarity's sake, it's Johnny talking in the third person to himself and what God has unloaded to him. So it might not make sense to you if I didn't say that. But this is what God said to you in this moment. And I want to share with you because I believe 
for me, it was extremely powerful, and I think it might be powerful for some in this room too, to realize what you are doing here. This is what I feel like God said to me. What are you doing here? Prayer is the weapon. Why have a weapon if you don't use it? No warrior has a weapon in battle and doesn't use it. Every Wednesday we come to prayer meeting and you can come either one of two ways. Ready to pray and break down some walls for the people of this church. Or like a sad sack of a person with his eyes closed doing nothing. I'm quite hard on myself, people. So ask yourself again, what are you doing here? It isn't just you as a pastor, but you as a Bible-believing Christian and leader to be an example day in and day out. It's not a title. It's me being a believer. This is the only place where you get paid to pray. That was a personal thing for me. To participate in spiritual warfare for the house of God. Again, I ask, why are you here? Now, let me tell you why you are here. You were 20 years old when you were set on fire and consumed with zeal for God's house. The joy of that was overflowing to the point where you signed up to do three years of ministry school. It was never a burden, but you always saw as an honor that you could serve God's house. And one day, maybe you might get paid for it on staff. However, along the way, and I couldn't tell you where this happened, but you lost your joy and your reason. You've had to fight for it to find it again. Through hurt, tiredness, pain, sickness, family issues, whatever it may be, And still today, it's a daily battle to remind yourself the joy of the salvation that God has given to you because that is why you are here. Not just tick off a calendar invite, not just tick off a moment in your day. No, because you know your God. You know his salvation and how it changed you. And now I'm going to go to war to fight for others. That is why I'm here. To be the change and see God's kingdom come to this earth. But I cannot do it without him. I need my joy back so I will find it. I will find my joy again. I will find my joy again. I don't want to be stuck in a place where I come to church every single Sunday or to an environment where God's presence is and not have the joy and expectation to see what God could do in my life. I've seen too many things that God has done in my life that I don't want to sit here for another moment and waste the opportunity in God's presence. I don't want to be a Christian who is stale and dormant. There's too much that God has for me and for this church for me to live a life like that. So how am I going to find my joy? Well, I believe that God spoke to me through this story. He told Elisha, Elijah, Elijah, I got to get that right, Elijah. Very confusing. He told Elijah to go back the way that he came. Go back to the place where you lost your joy. Find that moment again. Get back to the place where you last met with God and you felt His tangible presence in your life, where you knew that nothing was impossible for God when you were with Him. Go back to that moment where God arrested your heart again and find your joy. But don't stop there. Go on and anoint the next king of Aram and Israel and the next prophet. God's saying to us today, go back and find your joy, but I'm not finished with you yet. There's still a plan ahead of you that you need to go and do. 
God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't given up on me. We're going to go through journeys in our life, church. We're going to go and find our joy again. But once you find your joy, don't take another step back. Take another step forward into all that God has for you. That joy that God has given to you is a gift. It's a gift. The world doesn't need a church that has no joy. The world needs a church that is filled with the joy of the Lord. The world needs a church that will come in every single week believing that impossible could happen. The world needs a church that is filled with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. It needs a joyful people with hope and vision to see not just a city change, but a nation and a world completely set on fire for Jesus. We are the hands and feet. We need the joy back in our life. You know what I want to see back in God's house? A people filled with joy. A people knowing why they are here. He's not done with us, but he's asking us this question. What are we doing here? Don't be a seat warmer in church. Be a worshiper. Don't stand arms folded, but be undignified for your God. I got so insecure throughout this year of what people would think of me as I worship God that I no longer got on my knees in worship when I felt like God asked me to get on my knees in worship because I was scared of what people's expectations were of me as they looked at me. And I've come to the realization that I don't actually think people really care about how I worship God. And if they do, then maybe this mission is more for them than it is for me. I'm not quite sure. But I'm not here to worship people's expectations. I'm here to worship my God who gave me joy, who gave me peace, who gave me life, who told me out of the darkness into a new hope and a new future. I will get my joy back. It's a fight. But it's a fight worth having. Can I get the band up on stage? It'd be amazing. Come on, church. Have you lost your joy? What are you doing here right now? Have you walked into this room today feeling dormant, feeling lost, knowing that there is a God, but something is actually missing on the inside? Do you remember the moment where God set you on fire? The moment you're like, man, nothing's impossible with God. I remember when I was in uh, the ministry school and every week I ran a life through my house and me and my dad, my dad's amazing, he's the best. My dad and I would literally do three or four card loads into Nana and Taita every single week and pick up car loads of boys and bring them back to our house. Dad would put on this massive pot of nachos or curry sausages or whatever he could whip up for, our, for the boys every week. Just so they could have a good meal in their stomach. So a lot of these boys didn't come from home so they would get food every single day. They'll get two or three hours in God's presence as we did life group together. We worship, we open God's word. There's only one reason why I'll do that. And it wasn't because of the cheap petrol prices back then. It's because God set my heart on fire. And the joy that I got from my God and my salvation, I wanted other people to know that too. Somewhere along the journey, I lost it. I don't want to lose it again. I believe that today, 
God is asking this question. What are you doing here? I don't have this in my notes, but I know there's a lot of leaders or former leaders sitting in this room right now. And you've gone dormant for a while. And it's for many reasons and none of them are bad. I'm not saying that at all. But God is asking you, will you get your joy back? Will you wake up in this moment to know that God has still got a plan for you? It might look different to what you did 5, 10, 15 years ago, but God still wants to use you for His glory. I want more of His grace. I want more of His power. I want more of His love in my life. I want joy to be overflowing in me. I want to see a church filled with joy again every Sunday. I want to see this building filled with life, heck, filled with people. We've got curtains, but I don't believe those curtains are meant to stay there. But we're the people with vision, joy, hope. Nothing's impossible with God. do without Him. So my prayer this year throughout my journey has been this. Renew in me the joy of your salvation so that I can go out and do what you have called me to do. David went back. He found his joy. We read that in the scripture in the psalm they read. Elijah went back the way he came picked up his joy and went on. Two of the greatest men in the Bible had low moments. But they picked up their joy and they carried on. So can you and so can I. He hasn't done yet. Every single person in this room, why don't we stand to our feet? I know this is a different message today. It's more like a testimony time for Johnny. Thank you for listening to me. I appreciate that. But it's a word that I believe we need to be reminded about it every season. Heck, man, we're believers in the God, but there's a real enemy out there. There's an enemy out there that's going to steal, rob, and destroy every opportunity they can get. The Bible says he prowls like a lion, seeking to devour those who he seeks. Sounds all dark and gloomy, but we know our God's bigger. He's always got a plan for His people and He always pulls through. It never happens the way that I expected to happen, but He always does it. There's some people in this room right now and you need to get your joy back. And for you, it might be like an Elijah moment where you have to go back the way that you came might be a physical location you have to go back to and find your joy. I understand, I get that. But for a lot of people in this room, this is a spiritual moment that you can get back right now in God's presence. God is not a faraway God, but He is here right now. Maybe you've forgotten what God's presence feels like. 
Today I'm believing that you're going to receive that again. And the joy that comes with it. I'm believing as we're going to leave this room today, something's going to ignite in our spirits. That we would live up to our names in church and we would arise for the kingdom of God. So that we can go out and we can show this world who our God truly is. That He's a God who loves everyone. He's got a plan for people. He has a purpose. Come on, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We're not here to be a dormant church. I want my joy back. I want my joy back. And I will fight for it daily. Will you? Every head bow, every eyes closed. Come on, this is you today. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. Because I believe in a moment God can shift in your life. I'm a big believer in prayer, as you heard in my little pep talk to myself before. Prayer is the weapon that has been given to us. But if we do not use the weapon, then what is the point of having it in the first place? You have a mouth, open it. Come on. God gave you the ability to speak, then speak things into your life. Speak things into situations. Get that joy back in your life. Come on, church. Don't worry about what other people do in the room. It's not about other people. It's about you and your God. Today, you can leave differently from the way that you came. So this is my challenge to you. Find your joy again. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.